Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. But I'm excited because God's getting ready to do some things in this place. He's already establishing it, but God's getting ready to do it. Getting ready to blow the doors open. I believe without my heart, but the anointing is flowing in here so strongly. And tonight I want to talk about being purged for His glory. We're not, we're not purged for our glory, we're purged for His glory. Because we know it's, it's not about us, it's all about Him. And if it's, up, if it's all about you, you're in the wrong place. I want to be in the position that God's got me a hold of. And I want to start off in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Just a short little verse here, what I want to share on. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history. So it might bore you a little bit. But I'm, one, I'm believing for revival to come in this area. I want a spiritual awakening. I've already told my church, I want to see a sign down here that says, City of Monroe, a city that loves God. I'm believing for that sign. Amen. If I had to go out there and put it out myself, <laughs> before God is through with me, I'm going to have a sign up there. Because I want people to recognize and know that God is Lord. He is King of Kings. He, he has made us the head and not the tail. He has put us above and, by not, and not beneath. Amen? Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this opportunity to share with your word and your word, Father. Lord, I thank you for this this family of God, Father God. And Lord, what you're doing. They have great pastors, Father God. Pastors that love you with all their heart. And so Lord, I just ask that you just consume us tonight. Lord, be with us. Guide us and direct us through this teaching tonight. Lord, we got to quit being hearers. we got to begin to be the doers of the Word of God. And so I thank you, Father, for the Word that you placed in my heart. Let me put it the way you want it to be put, Father God, and we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe the greatest need for the church in this hour is a fresh fire, a purging. Yeah, Jesus can touch the church, but I think we need a whole lot more. We need a transformation. We need a spiritual awakening. We need a revival. Yeah. And I want to share you on some of the, 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 the revivals of the past. We had the first spiritual awakening, December 1734 through 1743. Jonathan Edwards, who was a young pastor for months, labored for God with no fruit. And then five to six people got saved. One of those was this young lady who, I guess you say, didn't have a good reputation in town. And when she got saved, uh, Edwards began to get worried. Because he said, if she gets saved, she's going to put a water on the flame that God has started. Yeah. 
because of the way her life was. And so he had that fear. But after her conversion, 300 people got saved. You have to understand, in this town that they were living in, there was only 1,100 people. So 300 of them got saved within six months. Then news broke out, and revivals broke out into 100 surrounded towns in that area. And one of those towns were in Philadelphia in 1739. George Whitfield comes on the scene. Now, he stayed in the home of Benjamin Franklin. And George Whitfield prayed this prayer, that they would not live as 13 scattered colonies, but as one nation under God. We've got to get back to one nation under God. This world, this nation is having a rough time. And it's time for Christians to quit taking a back seat and allowing everything to happen. And then we wonder what happened. What happened is that we didn't happen. And it ain't going to happen until we happen to do it. The second spiritual awakening, 1800-1840, started in Logan County, Kentucky. People came as far as Ohio. It was said for 25 years, not a single month went past without news of a revival taking place somewhere. 1824, Charles Finney begins his career, and eventually 500,000 are converted. Rochester, New York, 1831, 100,000 saved, and it spread into 1,500 towns. By 1850, the nation's population had grew to 23 million people. And those that were connected to evangelical churches grew from 7, 7% to 13%. From 350,000 to 3 million. I mean, oh, God was moving. Yeah. Then you had the businessmen's revival. 1857 to 1858, Jeremy Lafner, a lay missionary, he began to pray, and he prayed, God, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, that's a simple prayer. And we've, we've kind of quit praying that. We, well, our prayer is, Lord, when are you going to get them to doing something? When it should be, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, here I am. Send me. And so what he did, he opened up this church at noon so that these businessmen could come and pray. His first meeting. Hallelujah. He has six people. <laughs> six men came to his prayer meeting. The second meeting. He had 20 came. Hallelujah. It's growing. The third meeting. He had four. How many would have gave up by then? After four, I would have said, well, it ain't working. Then he began to do something unusual. He said, well, we'll open up the church doors every day at noon. And next thing you know, the church began to fill up. And not only that, but the church grew. And other churches began to open their doors up. And you have to understand, this was at the same time pretty close to being when the bank panic of 1857 was taking place. And so the church began to fill up. Other churches began to open their doors. And this spread throughout the nation. Uh, we might know it as the Great Prayer Meeting Revival was in, when this took place. 
And it was estimated that one million people were added to the churches. And I want you to get this. Of the existing, existing four million of the church members that were already in the church, one million of them got saved. Did you know every person that comes to church may not be saved? <laughs> and they might have been going to that church for 30 years. Tithing. But how many know they still would have ended up in hell? Because <laughs> tithing don't get you into heaven. Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to get you there. We have the Civil War Revival, 1861-1865. 300,000 soldiers on both sides were saved during that war. The Urban Revivals, 1875-1885. D.L. Moody in Chicago. And before this revival, Moody conducted um, revivals throughout the British Isles. And he spoke to more than 2 million people. Then he moved back to America. And it began the urban revivals. Hundreds of thousands got saved. And Moody was really the first evangelist to really begin to get under attack. And he was accused of making religion the drug of the masses. That was his attack. I read a story where uh, D.L. Moody went to, uh, I think over in England, to, um, to vacation. And while he was there, a pastor asked him to, to stand in for him, and he did. And he said he went to that church that Sunday morning. He said that was the deadest church he ever been to in his life. And what he hated, he had to speak there that night. So he went back that night, and the place was packed. And he preached. People got saved. He, even, he had an altar call at the end. He said, anyone here want to give your life to Jesus, stand up. And he said, hundreds stood up. And he said, maybe you didn't understand me right. If you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want you to meet me in this room after the service. She so said when he got there, it was lined up in the hallways, people giving their life. And he knew for the next few days, I mean, I think it went on for 14 days. But he knew something was behind that. And so what he did, he did a little investigating. He realized that there was an elder woman in the service that morning. And she went home, and she lived with her other her sister, and her sister was bedridden. And when she came in, she said, you wouldn't believe who spoke at the church today, D.L. Moody. She said, what? She said, I've been praying for D.L. Moody to come here to England for years. And the lady, was, her, her sister was bringing the meal in there. She said, put that meal away. Because we're going to fast for the service tonight. Two ladies decided to fast, and God broke out. <laughs> Let me tell you, church, it don't take thousands where two is gathered in my name. Two agree. And God made a, a great move there. The Welch Revival, 1904-1905, started in Pennsylvania. And by 1905, it broke out into Brooklyn, Michigan, Denver, Nebraska, North and South Carolina, Georgia, Taylor University, Asheboro College, Kentucky. And on comes the scene is Billy Sunday. And that ain't me. <laughs> but I read some of the revivals that, that took place in this area. 
in Charlotte and how people gathered down by this river. And it got so big that they, that they had this stand built and the guy was preaching, but so many thousands were coming, nobody could hear them because they didn't have the mics back then. So they went down and built another pulpit and they had two services going on at one time. Can you believe that was going on here? And Billy Sunday, he preached to more than 10, 100 million people with a million salvations. Then we come to the one that everybody has probably heard about. The Zuzu Street Revival. 1906. William Seymour. Had one eye. <laughs> Got saved. Went to Los Angeles to preach. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Went there to preach. He preached on the Holy Spirit. The next night, he came back to the church. The church doors were locked because they didn't want him preaching on the Holy Spirit anymore. So one, so one of the men in the church said, hey, come over to my house. We'll have a Bible study over there. He started the Bible study. People started coming. They had to move from the Bible study out onto the porch. And then... He started preaching from the porch, and people were just gathering in people's yards, neighbors' yards. And they said that, that for a couple blocks off, that people were falling under the anointing of God, just walking down the streets. And, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where'd that come from? I don't know. I don't know what happened to you. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. And as soon as he steps over, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Let me tell you, when God anoints, there ain't nothing you can do about it. But he preached. And then the, the, the police came and said, you, you got to quit because this porch is going to fall in. And so they moved to a warehouse. And, and at this warehouse, miracles just began to, to take place. It was said that people could see flames coming out of the building. And they would call the, the fire department. But there was no physical fire. And so they said the flames were coming up and down. And, and I read, and I began thinking, I know what that was. That was angels ascending and descending from heaven, bringing miracles into that place. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, uh, I forget, Jacob who saw the, the ladder from heaven coming out, angels. So, I mean, what be, hey, Lord, we have, a, uh, we have somebody that needs to see. Can you give me the miracle to take down there? Uh, and go down there. They can see. William Seymour wore a cardboard box head on his head because when he took it off, the anointing of God just fell into the place. So he had to wear a cardboard head, a hat, and when he took it off, man, things happened. I'm telling you, church, I want to see that. You know, you know what kind of service I want? I want a service that you cannot explain. If I can explain it, it wasn't much of a service. And that's where I want to get. My desire for me, I want to be changed by the fire. You know, there's been other revivals that we hear about. Brownsville, uh, 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 up in Canada. Those revivals. But what I'm trying to get to here is that I want a revival 
in this area. I want a spiritual awakening to take place in this area. And I'm ready for it. I've got what I call my revival circle. You might call it a hula hoop. Okay? And I was praying one day, one day and, uh, and I'm, God didn't tell me to go out and buy a hula hoop. Okay? I said, God, I, I, there was this evangelist, and they asked him one day, how do you start a revival? He said, it's simple. You draw a circle, you stand in and say, God, let a revival start in this circle. So I said, Lord, that's what I want. And I know because I, I was getting frustrated with my people. And I'm thinking, man, why aren't they moving? Why aren't they doing this? And I realized it wasn't that I was frustrated with them. I was frustrated with myself because I wasn't where I needed to be. And so I said, Lord, I want to get a hula hoop. And it was simple. said, well, go do it. <laughs> I said, good, I will. And I went. I went to Dollar Tree. I mean, Dollar General. And I took it up there. And the lady said, I know that's not for you. <laughs> I said, well, actually it is. <laughs> and I told her what I was doing with it. She said, well, that's neat. I said, yeah. So, and then I shared it with my, with my church. And, and I told it to my grandkids. This is not your hula hoop. This is my revival circle. And so when I pray, I like to pray in that revival circle. And I'm praying, God, let it begin with me. You know, my, my prayer life has changed since I've been getting in that. Because now I'm, I can feel it where I'm, I'm, I'm one-minded with God. You know, we go into the holies of holies. This is kind of my holy of holies. I'll go in my hula hoop. And I begin to just pray and seek God. And so I want revival to start here. See, I can't, I can't have it start in somebody else if I can't get it to start in me. And so, how many know that fire is never satisfied? As long as you keep fuel on it, it's going to keep burning. So what does this mean? It means that God is never finished. He never reaches a point where he says, well, okay, you're holy enough. Okay, you're anointed enough, you're, you're spiritual enough, you're disciplined enough, and best of all, you're purified enough. So, I tell you what, just go out and enjoy your life now. You're good. God doesn't do that. Church, we need to know that God's determination for my life. What is it? What's your life? It's not for God to touch us. Is for God to consume us. See, a touch from God is going to last for a moment. A consumption from God is going to last a lifetime. I don't want a touch. It feels good. Ooh, that felt good, God. You ever been in that thing? Oh, I got, I got goosebumps. Oh, did you see that? Look at them goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. And we think, oh, good. I want to be, boy, is it hot in here? I am on fire, baby. Woo! That's where I want to be. 
where I am excited about God 24-7. Not just every once in a while. Not just on Sunday morning when I'm supposed to be. But on Friday night or Monday morning when I'm driving my car. If I'm at the gym working out, you know, I want to know, hey, I'm consumed. And I want people next to me to know I'm consumed. That's where I want to get. There's this threefold operation of the fire of God concerning our lives. To you, in you, and through you. I don't want you to miss this. It's not the fire that people see. It's the fire that changes your life. The fire that is in you that you have received. And if you haven't received it, it ain't there. See, so you have to open up your heart and you have to allow the purging of the fire of God's presence to make you a, a vessel that's fit to carry the anointing of God in your life. So it's not what you say about God that changes lives. It's the quantity, the quality of the presence of God that is manifested through you that changes people. Simple words. You cannot infect someone else until you have been infected. You know, about a month ago, I got the shingles. Never had the shingles. And I'm thinking, why is this? I got this rash. Why is this hurting? And all that. So I'd go to the doctor, and this was on Monday. And uh, he said, well, just don't be hugging people. Don't be around people, especially little children. I said, well, doc, I just infected my whole church. Because <laughs> Sunday morning, I go around hugging everybody. So, if they're not infected by now, I'm okay. okay. And I haven't heard many. But how many know? I can't infect somebody with the shingles if I don't have the shingles. I can't infect anybody with the anointing of God if I'm not infected with the anointing of God myself. I can come up and you say, you know, the anointing of God is so good. And, oh, he is so fantastic and all that. And I'm not going to make a bit of sense to you because I haven't been infected. I don't have the virus. But when I have the virus, I can infect you. Let me breathe on you. Let me hug you. Let me kiss you. Because I want to infect you. That's what we need to get. Have you ever been around someone that's been infected by the fire of God? Doesn't it just want to draw you and make you hungry for what they have? Oh, God, infect me. Man, infect me, God. Did you know that there's a good amount of Christians that don't mind being touched by the fire of God? As long as it is controllable and containable. As long as they can control the heat, they want the fire. But if they can't control it, then don't give it to me. They're missing out. When you get consumed with God, you give it all to God. God becomes the master of the heat indicator. I don't want to be controlled. I want God to be in control of what he's doing in me. I, I want to be an idiot for God. Because an idiot do anything. Yeah. If you've got sense, you ain't going to do anything. Everything. But if you're an idiot, 
And I've done some pretty stupid things in my life. I'm going to go ahead and tell it. <laughs> this past weekend, I went down to one, one of my old football games down at Burns High School down in Spartanburg, where Marcus Lattimore graduated from. And I was in a hurry. Some things went on that day, and I got down there, and I, uh, and I, went, I got up the next morning because I got in late from the ball game, and I just went straight to bed, didn't brush my teeth or anything. And I got up that next morning, and I went in there, and I squirted out the tube on my toothbrush, and I'm just, I put that, and I'm, I'm like, this is the worst tasting toothpaste I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I kept, I said, no, I can't, I can't take no more of this. And I started spitting that stuff out. And I looked over, it's Benadryl cream. I'm over there. <laughs> now I get it out. I clean my toothbrush. I brush my teeth. I called my CVS pharmacy up. I said, look, I feel really stupid, but I just brushed my teeth with Benadryl cream. Am I going to die? Because I'm reading on here, ex exterior only. So, Doc, am I going to live through this? She said, you're fine. If you didn't swallow a large amount, I said, I didn't. Believe me, I didn't want to. So, yes, you can be an idiot and still live for God. <laughs> to me, that's the best kind. You know, it's like these young people, they used to color their hair, they wore these tacks, you know, all this stuff, they, you know, they... They do all this because they don't do anything. What happens if you get them turned on to God? All of a sudden, we want to change them. No, I don't want to change them. If they're crazy enough to dress like it, just think what they do for God. Yeah. I just think, God, you know, we, that's what we got to get is that we don't care. Let's just do it for God. God, you turn the heat up because, see, God wants my body, mind, soul, and spirit. God wants all of me. It kind of reminds me of the story in Judges 15. Salmon catches 300 foxes because he's mad. I mean, he is mad at these Philistines. And he takes them and puts them together by twos, and he ties their tails together. Then he gives a torch, and he ties the torch to the tails. And I don't want nobody to offend me if you're an a animal activist here. Okay? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you what the Bible, you know, what happened. And so Samson likes that torch. And those foxes just go in every direction. See, those foxes suddenly was motivated. <laughs> okay? There's a fire gun on them. They got motivated. All right? They were suddenly changed by that fire. You know that when the fire hit these fosses, suddenly they had a mission to go on. And that mission was to go out and, and, and light up the world and spread the fire. Because they were trying their best to get that out of their tails. The fire changed them and they never was the same. Believe me, I guarantee you them foxes were never the same. All right? Don't know if the hair grew back. But... 
They were changed. They were motivated. The fire will motivate you to do something instead of just sitting there. The, mo the fire will motivate you on a Sunday morning to get up and worship God and sitting there and saying, well, this sounds really good. But when you get motivated, you say, well, I want it to sound better. I want to. And you might say, well, I can't sing a lick. Who cares? Probably the person next to you can't either. You don't want to be sitting next to me. Because you're going to be hearing some bad, raunchy singing. <laughs> you know what I found out, though? It don't matter how it comes out. When it gets to heaven, it's perfect anyway. <laughs> it may not sound good to us, but it's going to sound pretty to God when he hits that heavenlies. You know, in Mark 9, 1 through 13, I don't want to read it, but he talked about the glory of God. Jesus takes three of his disciples up on the mountain, Peter, James, and John. And they travel there. Pretty much, it takes them pretty much all day, so they get there probably around nighttime. And what happens? The disciples, as usual, fall asleep. And then they're awoken. Awoken? Is that a word? Okay. <laughs> I make up these words. They're awoken. <laughs> so, so I can destroy the, the dictionary, let me tell you. But they're, they're, they're awoken to this. I said it again. Okay. To this. So that is a word. I'm not a teacher. Awaken. They are awakened. I like the awoken. The awaken. You know. <laughs> and I, I. I do the southern version of the Bible. Okay. <laughs> if y'all wondering. I'm in the southern version here. But. They wake up. <laughs> and they look up. There's Jesus, Moses, Elijah. And Jesus is glowing. He is transfigured. I like to call it, it's the Shekinah glory that is being revealed in Jesus. And did you know this was not the first transfiguration? If you go back to when Jesus was born, the Shekinah glory was being conceived in that baby for the time when it was going to be revealed on that mountaintop. And it took 30 years, 30, 33 years for that Shekinah glory to be revealed. And on that mountain, they look up, and uh, Peter says, Lord, it is good that we're here. Let us build three shelters, one for you, one Moses, one for I used to make fun of them. I'm like, what do you want to go into a building program for? <laughs> but it, then I realized, maybe Peter was taken back, you know, to the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they did when the Israelites celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles at the first of the week, they would build a shelter in their yard, and that's where they would stay for that week. And as I begin to think, Maybe Peter's is taken back and he remembers what was going on. Because what they were doing is they were representing, uh, remembering when their ancestors was in the desert and they built shelters. And as they, as he built that shelter, is that he's, he's realizing on that time that. I, 
as I remember this, is that God provided for my ancestors. When they needed water, God provided. When they were hungry, God provided. When they needed shelter, God provided. When they needed protection, God provided. You know, and so they look up and they see this Shekinah glory of God. I mean, no, that Shekinah glory is in us. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, that consuming fire. And let me tell you, I know Jesus told the disciples, don't tell nobody. But they never forgot that day what took place on that mountaintop. And they go down. And I love this story. Because I believe it was the Shana glory that when Peter and John went up, was going to the temple to pray. And there was a lame man there. And he was begging and asking for money. And everybody's passing by these guys. But then Peter and John comes by. And the man says, how about some money, dude? Again, Galvin version. Okay. And Peter said, well, silver and gold, I, just, I, don't, have, I don't have any money. But what I do have, see, I've got a consuming fire in me. I've got the Shekinah glory in me. And he reaches down and grabs the man up. He says, what I do have, the anointing of God, this consuming fire, the Shekinah glory, I, I give that to you. And what I picture him doing is now Peter is reaching down and taking this beggar and taking him out of his past to put him into his future. Man, what I do have, the Shekinah glory, it ain't for you to say where you're at. It's not for you to keep being a beggar. It's time to you take those beggar days behind you. It's time for you to begin to be a giver of the Lord. So the Shekinah glory, let me consume you. And the man got up, praising, leaping God with the glory of God inside of him. There's a lot of people. I can't give them money, but I can give them what God's given me. I can give them the Shekinah glory. I can give them that consuming fire. Let me help you out. You, you're not supposed to be about You ain't supposed to be in them drugs. Get out of there. God didn't, didn't do you to do them drugs. God don't want you to be that alcoholic. God don't want you to be that wife beater. God don't want you to be doing these things you've been doing. It's time for you to come out of your past and get into your future. It's time to get where God wants you to be. Too many Christians are wearing masks. Pretending who they're not. It's time for us to take the mask off and let the Shekinah glory be revealed. We're afraid. I'm not in control. Lord, I want to be in control of this thing. I mean, no, Peter wasn't in control. He just knew what he had, he had to give. That's what we need to get. There's people out on them streets that need Jesus. We got to begin to 
to speak out for God. There's too many Marthas because we quit being Marys. We used to be a lot of Marys and not enough Marthas. Now there's too many Marthas and not enough Marys. We want to be busy instead of at the feet of Jesus because we need to be purged. I want to touch. I, I, don't, I don't want to touch from God. I want to be consumed by God. And I think we need to begin to cry out to God, change me, God. Let me give you a way to be changed. I think John the Baptist said it best. He said, I've got to decrease so that Jesus can increase. What he's saying is, I can't go up until I go down. We live in a society that's always up, 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 up. It's about me, 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 me. Well, it ain't about me, me, me. It's about God, God, God. So I, I, I got to go down, down, down. And I got to grab a hold of Jesus while he's going up. I mean, no, Jesus didn't go up until he went down and defeated hell. This is what we got to get. We've got to be, you know, we're like this. So many Christians are like, well, I got to test the water. I got to test, just, just test the anointing, you know. And so I put, ooh, I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's better over here. Mm. Okay, God, let me pray about it. Yeah, that's kind of where we get. Our prayer life goes about a minute, but when we're sleeping, the other 10 or 15 minutes. Well, we're just trying to test the waters. It's like, let me tell you, how many Christians go to McDonald's, go to McDonald's anymore, used to, but you go to McDonald's and you got to pray about what you're going to get. Am I going to get a cheeseburger or a hamburger, God? Lord, if you want me to have a hamburger... I want you to take that tree and I want you to hit it with lightning right now. If not, I'm getting a cheeseburger. You know. I had an elder at one church, and when we have a staff meeting, we got to eat, and if somebody prayed for too long, he said, well, you know, they didn't have a prayer meeting that morning. You know, they decided to pray over the meal. You know, and do that as their prayer life. But we got to quit. We just got to. We just got to jump in and backstroke that baby. You know, you know, enjoy the fire. Enjoy the anointing. Enjoy the Shekinah glory. Have fun with it. I mean, no, Jesus is a lot of fun. And he wants us to have fun. I mean, do the back, do the swim, no, whatever. Just enjoy what God is doing. That's what we need to be doing. Get your revival circle started. Let me tell you, revival doesn't start in a political revolution. It don't start in an embassy where world leaders hash out peace agreements. Revival starts in every Christian, in every person. 
You know, during the Azusa Street Revival, there was this young lady that heard about what was taking place, about the miracles. And she decided she's going to go. And she started walking to, and she saw the fire, the flames in the building. And along the way, she was carrying this tumor was about the size of a basketball that was connected to her head. And on the way, she began to think, okay, God, what have I got to lose? If I go there and I die, I die. The doctors don't say they can't do nothing for me, that the tumor is too big. So there's nothing I can do. But, Lord, I'm sure going to go because I've heard there's miracles. And it says as soon as she walked into that building, people began to lay hands on her. They didn't wait for a special time. How many know we feel like we got well, we got to wait for a special altar time? Well, Pastor, you know, it was getting a little late. You need to hit that altar time, you know. I came here for my miracle. Okay? I'm gonna be here five more minutes. You 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 ain't, if you don't have an altar call, I'm out of here, bro. I'm sorry. And it's only been ten minutes in the service. Yeah. yeah. But she went in there and they laid hands on her. She was healed that night. Let me tell you. God is wanting to do some special things in our services. And the question is, what do we believe tonight? Do we believe that God can really change us? Will you let God consume you? Do you want to just have a touch of the fire? Or do you want all? Of the fire. You can't just have a little bit of Jesus. It's either all or none. And I don't care what the world's trying to tell you. There ain't more ways to the kingdom of God. There's only one way. But everybody's out there trying to tell you, you, know, you you've got all these different places. Then in the churches, they say, you know, you've got the narrow path, you've got the, 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 the wide path. And somewhere along the line, the church has put this middle road that you can stay on this middle road and you're okay. As long as you live a good life, you're okay. God didn't put it that way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can go through God except through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight. God's got plans for this church. God has given you pastors. But I believe revival has already started in them. I have sat down and, and met with this man of God. And we have formed this connection. And I love this man. He has fed me wisdom. Helped me to understand some things. Whether he knows it or not. Has helped me tremendously. To where I want to do more in the kingdom of God. I have been encouraged by this man. And I want to keep this connection. You know. If I can say this. First time I met. I have a. You know my biggest problem in Monroe, I cannot connect with white pastors. (laughs) 
I got to be honest with you. I cannot, I have tried. But Pastor John and I, we have connected. Pastor uh, Eric Edwards. We, we have connected. And I, and I love it. That we have this connection and, and God has established it. And I, and, I, and I know this man of God, this woman of God, has been consumed by the fire of God. They haven't received a touch. They've been consumed. And that's why this church has been here 10 years. That's why this church is going to be here another 50 years. Because this family is going to get consumed by God. God has put together this weekend for his people, for this body of Christ. God said, I want you to be consumed. I want you to take all of me, and I don't want you to have any control of it. I want you to let me be in control, and I'll take you where I need for you to go. I'll give you what you need to get. I will provide where I guide you. But it's time for us to jump in the water. Quit putting your toe in there. You know, Peter didn't step on the boat and so say, let me test it. <laughs> I think he just said, woohoo! <laughs> and he started walking. Because his eyes was on one position, Jesus. And when he took his eyes off, he began to go down. But Jesus didn't say, well, just drowned. It was your own fault. <laughs> you took your eyes off of me, son. So Jesus went over and got him and put him back on the boat. And I bear every one of the disciples had this one look. And that is. Probably had that one look. But Jesus didn't let him drown because of his lack of faith. Jesus will not let you drown even when your faith lacks. Let God consume you. And I just want to ask, is there anybody in here tonight that you need to be consumed? You know, in Mark 4, I'll close with this. Mark 4, Jesus said, For the anointing of the God is upon me to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, set the captives free. What's he saying? For the consumption of the Lord is upon me. For the Shekinah glory of God is upon me. And God is saying that to us. Let the Shekinah glory of God be on you. Go out. Preach the gospel. Let the Shekinah glory be on you. Go out. Lay hands on the sick. Let me purge you in that anointing. And go out and set the captives free. But see that choice is ours. God's given it to us. Now we make the choice. Do I stay or do I go? Let's make the decision to go. And do what God's called us to do.
We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.